Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another spoiler review episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey! <laughs> We're back at it again to talk about episode four of Hawkeye. Pretty incredible episode coming out. The shortest episode, they seem to be getting shorter, which is kind of funny when we're not working through Loki here, uh, the Lady Outlaw and I, and they're getting longer. These are getting shorter as it goes along. But we're going to jump into all of this episode. It's called Partners, am I right? It's a very funny stuff we're going to get into here. And the furthering of the Kate Bishop and Clinton Barton relationship. We get a little bit more with Jack Duquesne and Eleanor Bishop. We get another allusion to Kingpin, more with Echo and the surprise of the show, which, of course, is pretty telegraphed if you watch the Black Widow movie. Uh, we're going to get into that as well. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. Yeah, both of these gentlemen off a very successful run here with Strawberry Shortcake. If you're not watching the Strawberry Shortcake shorts, do yourself a favor and watch them uh, or wait for Netflix. They're going to have them on Netflix at some point coming soon, so... You can wait Listen, for that and then give some I don't know headphones. in the Venn diagram of people that want to watch our Hawkeye spoiler review and the people that are going to love Strawberry Shortcake, I don't know how many people <laughs> are in the center of that Venn diagram, Yeah, but I know there's some of you out there. <laughs> I would think at least 20% of the audience, if not more. I thought you were going to say at least 20 people. At least 20 <laughs> no, people. No, 20%. 20%, 20% I swear. <laughs> uh, so the way we do this show uh, with the reviews is we get into the uh, everything that happens on the show section by section. For those of you maybe new to our uh, reviews here on the Geek Buddies, that's how we normally do it. But before we jump into it, we also want to give some love to our sponsor for the show, uh, Carbon Health. They are presenting our show, presenting the Geek Buddies over the month of December. Fantastic people over there at Carbon Health who really want to put out the idea that you, they want health care for everybody. They want it to be affordable for everybody, and they want it to be tailor-made 
to who you are as a person. We talked about their three pillars on our show uh, from earlier this week, and they th that's the three pillars they go with and uh, have a positive presentation about healthcare. Gentlemen, I would think after there's a few illusions uh, in this uh, episode of Hawkeye where these people could use a visit to Carbon Health for sure. Oh, yeah, listen, Clint, he doesn't have a super soldier serum. <laughs> He's beat up pretty good. And there's only so many times you can take an icy pop out of the freezer and ice it down. I think you better call Carbon Health. <laughs> Using, uh, yeah, yeah uh, duct taping frozen margarita packets to your, to your injuries might not be the strongest option. Yeah. Call Carbon Health instead. There you go. 90 clinics in 14 states, virtual care in 24 states. Everyone deserves good health. How's that, JG? All right, let's move on to our next. Uh, let's move on to our review. Get into the meat of our review. Uh, before we jump in, before we go into the spoiler side of things, we'll just get our overall thoughts here. That's how we usually start. Michael, what did you think about episode four here of Hawkeye? Here's how you know Hawkeye is amazing as mm -hmm. a series. A, as I've been saying, and we're going to see how it wraps up. It's getting real, real close to WandaVision as my favorite of the Disney Plus series. Like, wow. it's already surpassed Loki and What If and Falcon Winter Soldier. And it's like, it's coming up on WandaVision. And it's going to be neck and neck to see which one of them is the favorite of all of them. Um, but what's great about this episode is that there's a lot of hanging out. It's like you said, yeah. it's the shortest episode so far. There's a lot of just characters talking and hanging out. And I was invested the entire time like mm -hmm. i love all of these characters i love the dynamics i love the stuff that they're talking about i love how it ties back into moments in the mcu like it's doing everything exactly right mm -hmm. the way that a marvel fan wants it to be while still giving you surprises giving you new and interesting things like it it, it, every episode flies by for me because I could watch 12 more episodes of Hawkeye and Kate Bishop just running around, but yeah. they are just nailing this story. It's so beautiful. This relationship is so great. And everything that happened here was good. And they, they're, they're clearly at this episode four before we get to the penultimate episode and the final episode, moving all the characters and pieces around on the board so that everybody is there so that we can just have two episodes that are just balls to the wall crazy, which is what I'm hoping for the next two weeks. Yeah, Shannon Burton, Bernie return to direct this episode as well from, I think, first time episode writers here, Heather Quinn and Aaron Cancino working together here for this one. And as Mike says, yeah, a little bit more of the relationship, a little bit more of the hanging out here, but then leading to these pretty big reveals throughout this show. What did you think about this episode and how it was laid out, considering how much action we had in the last episode? Well, you know, what I really enjoyed about Burton Birdie's directing style thus far is they seem to have some very Russo brothers qualities in mm. that they have a great eye for action. Like there's a solid action scene at the end of this. Um, but we also got a little bit more of the comedy this time. Yeah. You got to see that great sort of awkward foursome hangout at the uh, Bishop penthouse. You also got a really funny scene between Kazi and, and Clint. And there's yeah. actually a moment that I have to think, like, as I was watching, I'm like, well, that wasn't in the script. Like, that was 100% the director saying, ooh, let's use this. This will be a great comic <laughs> button to this already good comedic scene that has high stakes. Like, there's actually life and death stakes going on, but they managed to make it, to make it funny. So yeah. the fact that they're supposed to be doing episode five as well uh, has, has me very, very jazzed to see what we're going to get into next. Yeah, me too. I I really enjoyed this episode. I think I'm with Michael. Like this is becoming my favorite MCU series, and because we're getting to really enjoy Jeremy Renner. Yes, it's great to see Haley Steinfeld, and she's being introduced, and she's doing a good character. But you know, for someone who's been kind of hanging out around the Avengers for a majority of the time, we haven't had a lot of time with Clint Barton. So getting even more time with Jeremy Renner, getting even more time with him to sink in to the um, layers of Clint Barton and all the stuff he's been through and really getting the emotional moments later on when he's talking about Black Widow, who is really a big cloud over this entire episode up until that ending. It's incredible and it's fun. And as an actor, I'm watching an actor really kind of bring yeah. strength and, uh, and gravitas to a character that normally hasn't gotten a chance to shine. And I say that every week, but really this episode, we got to really dig in to who Clint Barton is as a person. And some yeah, and I, and, and I would say also that the fact that he gets to kind of lean into the curmudgeon yes. uh, this time. Oh, God, yes. It, it is very, very funny. And Haley Steinfeld is just so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, mm -hmm. getting to see them play off each other um, while he is recognizing, like, this this person. You know, she's got skills. 
Right. Um, like she, she could do this, but at the same time, balancing the, uh, uh, promise of what she could bring to the table mm. while also relating to it as a parent yeah being like do i want to put another young person through this yeah, yeah also i also think it's generational mike right i mean you the, the, it's the older generation that's hang dog about everything and kind of like you don't know the price you're paying it's the younger generation and even more so the current younger generation that has this kind of uh oh, sense of confidence when they're walking into a room the sense of belief that they can handle whatever's coming down the road and that's very weird to a lot of people who are of an older generation who are trepidatious or cautious because they've got they've bit, been bitten one too many times seeing someone like kate that's reflective of the current generation so it's a good mix of both of these uh, points of views yeah, and they do a really great job. I mean, this entire series is breaking down these walls that Hawkeye has up. Mm -hmm. And you just see how like, and they and they it's always like a two step forward, two step back thing. Like you see Kate make a lot of headway and Clint lets his guard down. Like last week, Clint like finally realized how good of an archer she really is. Yeah. Kind of lets her in. But then he's got all this trauma. He's got stuff with Natasha. He's got yeah. the trauma of just living the superhero life. And something happens where Kate is in real danger. And because he is a parent, because mm. he has those instincts, he then, you know, like I saw somebody online saying he pulls the lassie. He pulls the lassie move where it's like, no, I hate you, dog. Get away. When really, like, you love the dog and you're just trying to protect it. Uh, but like, so, yeah. so like, you know, you just see him. This whole, this whole thing is about the way that they have taken the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye mm. and woven it in with the MCU version of the Ronin story. Yeah. And more importantly, woven it in with Clint's relationship with Natasha in the MCU. Yeah, absolutely. And made that the thing that is blocking him and in this episode really hits it on the head and we'll get into the specifics but like really like his relationship with natasha and the trauma that he experienced uh in endgame with yeah. what happened on boromir uh is really just preventing him from letting like from from open like fully embracing kate as a partner yeah and yeah. that's that's really interesting Absolutely. All right, let's jump into the episode. Final uh, spoiler warning here. If you have not seen the episode, stop here. Go watch the episode. Then come on back and we're going to spoil stuff or else. Or maybe you want to have stuff spoiled. People are weird. Let's get into it. Partners, am I right? We start off where we left off with Jack holding the Ronin sword to Clint's throat. And then there is a funny moment here with with, uh, with uh, Vera Farmer with Eleanor Bishop. And Kate runs in and Jack is there. And they're all just like, oh, wow, an Avengers here. And blah, blah, blah. So it's almost played for jokes. This, this really kind of dramatic moment at the end of the last episode now being played for jokes here. They end up at the dinner table talking about the case they're working on. Eleanor gets a notification that someone used her laptop to access files, calls Kate and Hawkeye out on it. Kate calls Hawkeye CB1, which has been a while since that's been used. Kate tries to play up their relationship, and it's a little bit more than it actually is. Jack then just randomly, as a non sequitur, thanks Clint for saving the world. Um, <laughs> Kate finally tells Eleanor what she was looking for. Eleanor gets Clint to admit that they are working together. Then Clint notices the Ronin sword in the corner there. Eleanor walks Clint out after uh, Kate tries to leave. She asks him to leave Kate alone by the elevator there and even brings up Black Widow, which is a real shot out of left field. How does she know such intimate details about the situation with Black Widow? Says that being good enough uh, is not enough to keep you alive. Eleanor says she cannot lose Kate and asks Clint to, get her to, to forget the case. And Clint says he understands but can't forget the case. And we'll keep Kate safe. We see he has taken the Ronin sword in the elevator. And then he texts his wife, Laura, to run a check on Sloan Limited. Wait a minute. Laura is involved in this somehow now? And then we cut to Eleanor calling someone. Uh, it feels like Kingpin. Asking that person to call her back because it's, quote, urgent. Uh, Mike, what a start here. We get this connection uh, developed here between the four of them. This awkward kind of interaction. The Ronin sword just sitting there. Jack kind of lets him take it. Then Eleanor drops this Black Widow thing and then asks him real um, suspiciously to drop the case. What did you think about this in intro? Uh, it was all great. I mean, kind of to uh, to Shannon's point with Burton Birdie, kind of really nailing both the action but also the comedy. It's like, look, we all know that Jack is going to fight somebody with a sword at some oh, point before yes. this thing is over. Yes. So we're expecting it. And with last week's episode with the ending, we're like, oh, here we go. But like Jack is actually a lot smarter than he pretends to be. Mm -hmm. And is not going to all of a sudden just start fighting an Avenger in his living room. And so 
good comedy comes from honesty and the honesty of the moment is if an avenger standing in your living room both of them reacted exactly the right way and it was really humorous and then just yeah. again watching the back and forth between kate and clint and just the like yeah he's my partner well, yeah. we're not really partners. Well, we're really good friends. I, we are, we are not friends. <laughs> like just him, just sort of like I, I, he, like he just has this look on his face, like to Shannon's point of the curmudgeon of like, I fought Thanos <laughs> and I am sitting here dealing with this. I literally had the Infinity Gauntlet in my arms. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, with this. Yeah. How did my life choices bring me to this place right now? And that's just, that's the moment that he's playing. Um, and look, to your point about the non sequitur of thank you for saving the world, I think it's just, I love that this show is constantly reminding us that this is a world where everybody I mean, look, we think about COVID and how all of us have mm. dealt with COVID in our own ways. And some people have sailed through it. Some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost loved ones. Some people yeah. have ongoing health issues. Like the blip is like that times a thousand. Mm -hmm. Every single person in this world has dealt with the blip. And every single person knows that the Avengers fixed it. Mm -hmm. They don't know how, but they know they know it's been fixed. So I love that there's this constant reminder of everybody like, by the way. And I think because as we've talked about on previous weeks, this show is all about how everybody reacts to having these heroes in the world. Yeah. Um it's a it's a nice reminder. The Eleanor scene was great. Like Eleanor I do think she genuinely wants to protect her daughter. I think she oh, loves sure. Kate and would prefer that Kate not be running around with an Avenger. Mm -hmm. um, but also she is clearly being like, you get, how do I get, how do I use my daughter to yeah. get him as far away from this case as possible? Because I don't want an Avenger sniffing around all of my business. Yeah. Um, the Natasha dig was a cold one. I don't think that she has any kind of information that, um, any American or any any citizen wouldn't have. Like, I don't think she knows, I don't think people know exactly what Black Widow sacrificed. I don't think mm -hmm. people on the street know the details of the Infinity Gauntlet, but I think that everybody knows that there was a blip, the Avengers fixed it, and Black Widow didn't survive that. That Black Widow, yeah. Tony Stark, Vision, like I think there is a there is a kind of wide knowledge of the Avengers that didn't make it out yeah. of this life-changing thing. Um, but bringing it up is, uh, is, a is a, a stab, <laughs> icy stab in the chest move for sure. Well, and that's what I mean by, I mean, I, I think everybody does know who died, who lived and all of it, obviously, but I think it's more a matter of why does she bring up Black Widow? Why specifically with Clint does she bring up Black Widow? What does she know about their relationship that maybe the general populace would not have access to? She is the head of a security firm. She is like, you know, rich. She might. So she might have a little more intimate knowledge than we think than a normal person might have. There's the possibility that that's true. But again, I don't think, um, and I could be wrong. Like we will see, like yeah. I'm more than happy, yeah. like next week or the week after to be like, no, nope, Johnny was right. Like she clearly knew more yeah. than she thought. But I think in general, um, fans of the, like fans of the Avengers in the world of the MCU know who the heroes are, right. know who died and probably know that like Clint and Black Widow are the two like non-powered ones. Like there's, right. and I think what she's really saying, they're less than trying to make a dig on Clint. It was almost like she landed on something she didn't know. I think what she's just saying is sure. Like, you know, he's basically like, look, your daughter's got skills. Right. And right. she's like, yeah, Black Widow had skills too. And where is she? Right. Like, I think it's just a very natural thing to be like. Yeah, that doesn't make my daughter safe. Please leave her alone. Yeah, maybe it's a woman to woman connection. Yeah, like she's Black Widow's a woman, Kate's a woman, and they died in this whole situation. Yeah. That's certainly possible. Or maybe there are meta YouTubers, their sources say that Hawkeye and Black Widow had a relationship, had a friendship. Who knows? Uh, Shannon, what did you think about this whole intro here and the Paul F. Tompkins esque look of Jack Duquesne? I could not get that out of my head as I was watching this show. I was like, he looks like Paul F. Tompkins now. So that, I might put up a comparison at some point today. That is the th that is my third note watching this episode. Really? Is Tony Dalton's mustache is spectacular. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of genetics to make your mustache flare out at the ends <laughs> and and look slightly silly, but still at the same time be like, I would 100% hang out with this guy. Yeah. I also love the production design because, you know, we've already noticed how the swords are being used as decoration everywhere.
But if you look by the door in the umbrella holder, there's also swords in there. And it's one oh, of those right. things that it's so dumb, but at the same time, it's so, so funny. Um, love the, yeah, love the uh, kind of uh, meet the parents like, uh, like, like vibe you get from the table. Um, the fact that uh, Eleanor knows the term an Avengers level threat, like this mm. is something that we've heard people talk about in the past, True. and it's because they are involved in that world to some degree. Yeah. So I think the the evidence is mounting. Like I'm, I'm thinking right now, like Jack Jack is probably smarter than than he comes off, but I also think Jack is a patsy, and that Eleanor is the one calling the shots out. Well, like, yeah. my brother said this. I mean, my brother said this when we were watching, and he looks at me because he was like, he, my brother's, like, really smart about things, but also two steps behind. So he's like, you think Eleanor is dirty? And I'm like, yes. And then he was like, and then he was like, I mean, you don't go from, like, we're going to have to sell the penthouse to I run my own security firm without some help. I think it's Kingpin. And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, and go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say for our, for our audience that obviously doesn't know Mike's brother Daniel. Um, it, it's kind of like if you take Matthew McConaughey and Vince Vaughn and you slam them together, and, <laughs> and, and, and that and that is Daniel Vogel. Very, very funny guy. Um, but yeah. yeah, the whole the whole sequence was great, and it's interesting, like trying to figure out Clint's motivation because as he's saying, we are not partners, we are not right. friends. Um, as a parent. Like, he's just like, look, that that's her mom. Like, yeah, she's going right. to be concerned about her. I'm going to make it seem I as I am as disinterested as I can be. Like, yeah. I am I am humoring your child right now. But then by the end, when she says, and, you know, Eleanor, you can tell Eleanor snores. Like, do you have do you have children, yeah. Mr. Barton? She's like, you know what? I'm going to guess you do. I mean, now that this could be a result of her being the head of Bishop Security right. and being able to find out privileged information, or it's because she's a good study. And again, mm -hmm. I don't think you get to the top of, you know, from having to sell the penthouse to the head of a security agency without being very intelligent. Also, most people reflexively say no when they don't have children, just reflexively because they don't want to assume yeah. a mantle that the other person has. So, yeah, that little gap in silence lets her immediately uh, embrace that he does have children and go on. Uh, from there for sure what were you gonna say Mike? i do I, no i just also really loved clint's honesty in that moment when yeah. she's like so you're gonna let this go and he's like no <laughs> i can't but i promise i'm gonna keep her safe like right. he is just like he is he is this he's curmudgeonly but he's honest and yeah. he's just straightforward and it's just a joy to watch yeah, agreed, agreed. Really enjoying the uh, relationship that's developing here. Uh, and Eleanor is definitely going to have more to play as it goes as long. All right, Clint calls Laura. And when we cut to next, Clint is calling his wife, Laura, there. She tells him in code, uh, so because the kids are around, that Jack is using Sloan Limited as a front for money laundering for the tracksuit mafia and the big guy. Here's another thing that you touched on, Michael, that I want to kind of uh, meld into what I'm saying here. It's Yeah, I remember the elder Duquesne saying that he does not trust Eleanor thinks it's a bad move for his son. So you might be right, or Daniel might be right. Whoever said he was a patsy, he might be a patsy in this situation to Eleanor really running things, which wouldn't be a surprise at all. Uh, then Laura asks in German. Oh, Laura speaks German. Okay. If the Rolex went missing from the Avengers compound, Laura knows that he is Ronan because she mentions the costume and what have you. Then she gives him advice on how to take care of himself. We cut to Kate listening to Eleanor and Jack talking about her obsession with Clinton, her confidence. And it's at this point, in my mind, I started getting the uh, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford vibes because Casey Affleck playing that character, he knew everything about Clint. And at that dinner table uh, um, conversation and scene, she is talking about Clint's childhood, which is pretty rough in the comics. So how would she know all this if she didn't have an obsession with Clint? So it is a legitimate thing that Eleanor is bringing up here as she's talking to Jack. Kate wants to talk to Eleanor after Jack leaves the room about Jack, but she distracts her with talk about a company Christmas party. Jack dances with Eleanor, much to Kate's surprise. Jack notices her mom. Oh, sorry. Kate notices her mom's smile and saying she's never seen her like that before, which would include her father in this situation. Uh, and they joke about Jack's misuse of aphorisms. Uh, and you see that they genuinely love each other. Uh, and then get, and then Jack says, getting laughed at by family is better than being alone on the holidays. And we cut to Clint, who is alone, tape and frozen items to his joints as, as he heals in that chair. And Kate shows up with Christmas movies 
and food. Um, we could cut here. Do we want to keep going and finish that both these scenes and kind of juxtapose them? Is that good with you guys? Sure. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Keep going, talk- Johnny. All right. They talk about Jake and he tells her Sloan Limited is a shell company. Um, I kind of love this idea that this very aware young woman thinks her very capable and intelligent mom is some kind of victim to this Jack guy. But you know, that's that's the those are the rose-colored lenses of family. Kate writes on a movie poster that reads Moira Brandon in a chance of love, but her face is obscured. <laughs> For those who don't know, Moira Brandon is connected to the West Coast Avengers. She sold her estate to the West Coast Avengers, which served as the team's base. But she died after saving Hawkeye and Mockingbird from Crossfire. So we'll see what happens with that convo. There's a conversation that follows about trick arrows, boomerang arrows. They decorate the tree. Clint claims he can flip a coin and knocks uh, stuff off or knocks knocks somebody out. He shows Kate how to do it. She eventually turns on the TV with the coin trick, which is out of the Mad Fraction run. Um, and then she asks her, he asks her, she asks him about the best shot he ever took. He said, it's the one I didn't take. And we get into a very, uh, uh, moving conversation about black widow Clint reveals that he couldn't kill Natasha because he knew she wanted to get out. He's visible. And we can tell that he's so visibly broken by the loss. And he says, when you do what I do for a living, it's just a game of managing loss or loss is as it's a wonderful life is playing in the background. And we remember that George Bailey also lost his, uh, uh, family in a somewhat of a blip and got them back. Uh, and it's also a film about dealing with the with love and loss and suicide. So interesting to throw that in. Then Kate asks about the Ronin, figures out that it was Clint, it was the Ronin. And he says, we all dealt with the blip in our own way. He sends her to bed, turns off his earpiece and remembers losing his family, being Ronin and losing Natasha. So two uh, two very interesting scenes going on here with Kate and her um, pseudo, well, her, her future stepfather and Eleanor, and then Clint and Kate themselves having their interaction. Uh, Shannon, what did you think about these two scenes kind of melded together here as we went along in this section of the show? Well, I mean, getting into the Laura of it all, like, yes, it, it's, it's, well, yes. it's one of those things that... You know, when when Laura and the kids were introduced, it was like, okay, Hawkeye has a family. Like, that's right. the big secret. And now we're getting to see that Laura has a past. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, how did this black ops agent that is Clint Parton meet this woman? Like, oh, well, yeah. it makes sense that they would have met in the service in some in some way. Yeah, in and the field. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fair and point. there are plenty of people speculating right now that Laura might be a code name for mm-hmm. Bobby. That she's right. actually Mockingbird, because in the comics, Hawkeye and Mockingbird had a relationship. Now, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I, I sure hope we get to see Linda Cardellini kick a little bit of ass. Because oh, she, yeah. I, I think she, she's a she's an electric performer. Um, I really liked Kate's stance on Jack softening yeah. because of how her mom is reacting. Like, you get, you get a little bit of a glimpse of Kate's... Uh, affection for her mom and and like well my mom doesn't dance and not only does she dance but she sees how happy she is yeah. with this guy and you get the sense of like what if i was wrong maybe i was wrong so then when clint does uh, one i like that he called jack sword boy versus <laughs> swordsman um <laughs> but kate stops like kate has been so hell-bent on jack is bad jack is bad jack is bad the yeah. fact that clint is able to confirm it Kate then says, are you sure? Like, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see, you know, my mom who has, you know, has suffered through so much tragedy, losing her husband. I don't want to see, you know, her get hurt again. Her Kate showing up, knowing that Clint is alone on the holidays, that he's hopefully going to make it home. That was great. And yeah. getting into the coin snap, one of the things that in, in the comics, and it was a while ago, but one of the things that kind of made Cap so special was he was the only one that could really throw that shield like for a long time Mm. other people couldn't do it like you know if they tried they'd break their hands one of the few people that could do it was clinton barton and the fact that you're getting uh you're getting the sense of because he's so it it was so easy to forget him within the avengers because you have these larger than life kind of gods and you have a guy who's an incredible shot with a bow and arrow so you see that literally almost anything can be a weapon in his hand and that was just the coolest thing. And getting to that Nat story, mm. the, the shot that he didn't take. Yeah. Um, again, this was a this was a real great showcase for Jeremy Renner because, as you had pointed out correctly earlier, John, like uh, Jeremy Renner hasn't gotten a bunch of them, and mm-hmm. you get to see his history, his affection, and how he's dealing with the loss of someone who is his best friend. I yeah. mean, it was it was a great, again, great showcase for Jeremy Renner. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mike, what did you think about what did you take away from these two scenes here? And do you think it's Mockingbird? What, what, why are we getting Moira Brandon? What, what's your thoughts on all these interactions here? I mean, I think the Moira Brandon thing is probably just an Easter egg for like hardcore fans. Okay. Uh, but but TBD remains to be seen. Right. Um, I'm still not sold on a West Coast Avengers because I think we've got so many other things in the mix. But uh, like we said, uh, I believe in this week's Geek Buddies episode when we were talking Charlie Cox, like I think that Kevin Feige and Marvel just put all the potential plans out there and then just wait and see which threads they're going to pick up. So this is now a thread that exists and maybe they'll pull on it at some point. Yeah. Um, I think these two scenes put right next to each other, which is why I'm glad we kind of talk about both of them are really lovely because I think it's important that we see Kate, see her mom and Jack and like you have this sweet moment. Like I think that, I think that we are gearing up for Kate to realize the, um, the ramifications of this life, mm. the ramp, like, look, if Kate didn't have these superhero instincts, if Kate didn't want to pull on this thread and kind of be the hero and figure out what's really going on, maybe her and her mom and Jack would have a lovely life and she would never know what they were really into. And they'd be right. a cute family and that would be sweet. But part of the, uh, part of the ramifications of living this life is you find this stuff out. And I think that it's going to kind of break her family apart. Yeah. And I think seeing this moment, that is this sweet moment where her mom and her do have this relationship and her mom really does seem to like Jack and Jack kind of is a little goofy and silly and fun and they're all kind of cute will make what's going to happen for us as an audience yeah. and for Kate that much worse. Yeah. If they were just assholes and she hated Jack and her mom and her were estranged and then she was like, well, fuck you guys, I'm out. You'd be like, okay, cool. But this kind of makes it suck more, which yeah. is better for storytelling. And then just using that whole, uh, also just random, like just super stupid, but I loved it, is when her mom is talking about how Kate has worshipped Clint Barton since she was a little girl. Right. And then Jack is like, she handles herself really well meeting her hero. If I ever met Huey Lewis, I just love the Jack's go-to hero. Kate's like, Kate's like, I'm obsessed with an Avenger. And, and Jack's like, same, Huey Lewis. <laughs> but then, I mean, using that moment to sort of build into, oh, family is so important. It's so great to be with family at the holidays to be the impetus for Kate to be like, fuck, man, I really screwed Clint's life up bad. I'm going to try and make up for it. And her showing up and them in the sweaters, yeah. and the Christmas movies, while they're trying to crack the case and do everything is adorable. The back and forth about the boomerang arrow was absolutely adorable. I think it's actually reversed from the Matt Fraction comic. I think in the Matt Fraction comic, Kate Bishop is like, boomerang arrows are dumb. And Clint's like, you don't know. They're actually pretty cool. And I love that they kind of flipped it around on its head. And Clint's like, when he was like, yeah, it's coming back at us. And she's like, yeah, you, you, just, you just duck. I mean, the two of them were just doing the best of what they bring to these characters in that moment, and it was adorable. Um, the whole, like, him showing her how to do it, again, this is his, like, his guard is down. He's not stressing about everything. Yeah. And he's letting her into his world, and he's kind of, he digs showing her this stuff. Like, this is a person, kind of to Shannon's point, like... In the world of the Avengers, he does get a little bit lost sometimes, but this is a dude that can shoot arrows better than maybe anybody in the world and mm -hmm. can do things that nobody else can do. And he has found this girl that can literally do what he does. Right. And there is a there's an excitement about that that you see in these moments when he lets his guard down that then as soon as he remembers the sacrifices he's made, those guards go back. So like that, it's just a joy to watch. And then my brother and I were talking about this too, but... I think well, Marvel does a really good job of telling stories in both directions. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of things like, John, I think this was maybe, I think you said this maybe hmm. when uh, Endgame came out, you were so excited about Ronan and like Clint yeah. Barton's Ronan is such a big thing for you. But then we basically catch up to him as Ronan at the very tail end and Natasha yep. shows up and says, don't be Ronan anymore. And that's all. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who love Ronan were kind of disappointed that we didn't get an extended story that dealt with him being Ronan. Right. But now... We are circling back, and the time that he spent at Ronan is as Ronan is becoming super important, and yeah. we're learning a lot more about what went on. And if that story leads us into Kingpin and leads us into these other things, it's like even though we didn't get to see the Ronan story forward momentum, mm -hmm. we're circling back to it. And the other thing is just Clint and Natasha. Mm -hmm. Like the way that Marvel is able to circle back to these moments that were super emotional, like all of us who saw Endgame, like that moment with them on yeah. Boromir, we're like, that was super upsetting. 
but they're going to bring it back to us over and over and over again as Clint is living through it. So right. like him sitting there in that chair at the end after he says goodnight to, uh, to Kate and just flashing on that beginning of Endgame, flashing on Natasha's face in Boromir, it's like, because Marvel and the, has done this thing that nobody else has done, like we've lived through these movies for a decade, it's not just we saw a couple movies. There was a great trilogy for a couple years. Like we've spent ten years with yeah. these characters. Yeah. So for us, he remembers this moment, and we're like having this sense of trauma and this mm-hmm. sense of emotion that you don't always get when you're watching movies, and it's really, really interesting. So I think like all of this was just a showcase for what Marvel does best and for what these actors do best. Yeah, and you get characters you can sink your teeth into, right? I mean, the PTSD of Clint is so believable. We had we dealt with PTSD with, with Tony Stark, right? That's essentially what he's, those flashes, he can't get that out of his head. He probably rarely sleeps uh, more than two or three hours at a time, uh, haunted by all these memories, haunted by all the stuff that goes on. And we see later on, which we'll get to in just a second, his, uh, like, let's stop all the jokes right now moment with Kate. And it yeah. comes from that place of like, you don't understand. I can tell, but you don't understand. Playtime is over. Like real yeah. shit is happening now. And so you see that that's still within him as a gear, the haunting of all of that that he's experienced. And you talk about Ronan. Look, Maya Lopez was the first official Ronan in the comics. So is there a way where she's going to embrace that um, uh, sword? Yeah, do, it, do it in reverse. And exactly. Do it in reverse. Could be interesting for sure. So we'll see. Also, and I think yeah. you said this last week and I didn't think it was true. But uh-huh. I am starting to lean into maybe maybe it wasn't Clint as Ronan who killed Maya's dad. Maybe it was Jack in a Ronan suit. I think there's a possibility that that might be on the table. I don't know for sure, maybe. but I think it's possible. We'll see. We'll see. We don't know. I- did, did we mention that Go ahead, man. Clint was drinking out of a Thanos' right mug? Yes, I have wrote, <laughs> I wrote that down. I, wrote that down. I do not think that Thanos is right, but I do want that mug. And that's actually a mug that you can get. So Christmas idea for Mike Vogel. I want a Thanos is right mug. <laughs> well, we should move on. Uh, Shannon, uh, that is the first section, the first moment uh, as we go in the morning. Here it is. Clint is drinking from a Thanos is right mug. Uh, Clint is going to talk to Kazi. Kate is being sent to the LARPers, our LARPer friends from the second episode to get our arrows which kate makes him say these are our arrows kate's clint's like sure whatever just get the fucking arrows uh we see the larpers practicing kate seems to very easily work out a deal with these larpers to get his trick arrows and especially work out a deal with a cop who has no problem with evidence tampering apparently (laughs) um uh, and by the way that's a character from the comics who becomes a villain but i think they're not going that route with her uh they say they can help her if she makes it worth their while what the hell does that mean we find out that in just a second clint is in cause we cut to clint in Kazi's truck, they discuss having Echo let the Ronin thing go. Clint says Maya's need for vengeance is going to get her killed. He's trying to avoid bloodshed. Uh, Kazi tries to pull out all these weapons that Clint's already found and, and is in access to. Uh, and uh, we see him step out of the truck after he's given his warning to Kazi and throw the gun around. Great moment with the actor playing Kazi. Go, damn, damn, damn it. Uh, Frothy doing a nice job there. Okay, he goes back to the apartment and the LARPers are there. They're dressing Kate up in a Viking outfit, a LARPer outfit, and suggest making a new costume for Hawkeye. And this just is driving Hawkeye crazy. I love the moment where he says, uh, I-, I told you to get the arrows not to put on a play. And the LARPer goes, we're a guild, which I think is very <laughs> uh, Clint, <laughs> Clint gets a text from Laura pinpointing the watch's location. There's a funny interaction about the policewoman's bag. And, and then they leave with the arrows. We cut to them on the roof across from the address where the watch is. As Clint looks on with binoculars, Kate just walks across the street, charms an old dude with groceries, and gets into the apartment. She walks in, shoots out some strobe lights in the corners. They discuss the watch being important to someone he used to work with, and if the watch falls into the wrong hands, it could blow that person's cover who has been out of the game a long time, and that person might die or disappear or some, or no more that person. Uh, and Mockingbird does die in the comics, so I don't know if they're laying that groundwork or we're just giving a little hint to uh, us there kate finds the watch but notices the pad with clint's family's names on it clint notices that kate is in maya's apartment just then he is attacked on the mic as maya is attacked uh, uh as maya attacks kate rather clint thinks he's fighting maya but it's not her this battle ensues on both fronts clint shoots a zip line over for kate to slide over onto the roof she stalls in the middle we get an mcu comedy moment there then we see clint fighting a mysterious person on the roof and it becomes two on two here for a little bit as maya joins the fray here against uh, both kate and uh the mysterious person 
who is there. We see some red Black Widow shocking tech. And then Kate is thrown off the roof and again with a, a repelling uh, wire there. And again, Clint is holding on to a female friend of his. And this time, and has those visions of uh, Natasha and Voromir, as Michael mentioned. But this time, he cuts the cord, tells her to get out of here. She bounces down onto the uh, ground. And clearly, he doesn't understand Kate Bishop because Kate gets the hell up and goes, oh, hail this or F this and gets back in the building, climbs all the way back up there really fast, by the way. And then she launches a sonic arrow of some kind. Uh, that kind of debilitates them for a few seconds, but Echo ends up kicking Kate, who pull, uh, who, who ends up shooting uh, Maya in the shoulder. Maya just calmly pulls the arrow out, leaves as if she's she's hurt. Clint keeps fighting the mysterious assassin, and we see now in a turnaround shot that it is Yelena Belova there, uh, the great Florence Pugh, back as her character from Black Widow. Kate aims an arrow at her, doesn't shoot it after uh, Yelena shakes, slowly shakes her head, and then Yelena jumps off the roof, Kate asks who it is. Clint refuses to tell her, and she insists on being part of this, and he says, this is done. It just got very real with a Black Widow assassin involved now and that he is not going to do this with her. Leaves her on the roof. End of episode. Mike, hell of a thing we got here with the stuff with the LARPers. Really funny stuff here, but then Kate kind of taking the initiative, getting into the situation, Clint kind of guiding her out, and then these fights that we have here between Maya and Kate and Yelena and Clint, and then eventually Yelena against both of them. So what did you think about all of this as a way to kind of give you some more uh, background on these characters and furthering the storylines and also introducing Yelena? Yelena. You give, you give us a lot to cover here, Johnny. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's do it. Um, no, so I think the, the LARP, so if you've read the Matt Fraction run, like one of the big yes. differences is that in the Matt Fraction run, uh, Clint, when he's not an Avenger, owns a building. And there's yes. a lot of tenants in the building, and Grills is one of those. So a lot of these characters that we're seeing popping up in the LARPers mm -hmm. uh, are clearly the stand-ins for the people in the building. And what that really represents is these are people who are tangentially tied to a superhero person who become uh who end up potentially being in danger because of it and so yeah. i am very worried for our larper friends um <laughs> because as we've said you know this show is a lot about people glorifying the superhero life people loving the cool parts of the superhero life and we've seen yeah. that in rogers the musical we've seen that in these larpers who want to dress up in these costumes and have these battles and like the and kate bishop is someone who's like you get to wear a cool costume you get to do yeah. save the day like there is a glorification of the superhero life and clint in the middle of this story dealing with the loss of Natasha, uh, the not being able to spend time with his family, like you're seeing the sacrifice. And I yep. think that this whole show is building to Kate really understanding the sacrifices that come as we were talking about with her family. Yeah. And I feel like I am worried that our poor little adorable LARPer friends <sighs> may be uh, part of the sacrifice that Kate is going to wow. learn about because, and this is what we saw happen. Hey, go get my arrows. Right. Cool. Hey, we'll give you the arrows, but we want this. Cool. Clint shows up. There are a bunch of civilians in the house now. And Kate's like, yeah, it's gonna let's make some let's make some margaritas. Let's make some costumes. Right. This is gonna be cool. We make and they're like, this is great. And Clint's like, I just told you to do this. And Kate is like, oh, you're just grumpy. But if these people end up getting hurt, yeah, that's on Kate. Right. It's like, a lesson that's for on Kate. Kate. A very early so, lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So I am just I'm very worried for our LARPers. Uh, <laughs> Well, Clint Grills causing... dies in the comics, so it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, so, so, um, so I'm very worried. I'm very concerned. Yes. Very protective of them. Uh, the the scene in the car with Kazi is great, just because, again, Clint is this sort of like even with the bad guys, he is like, look, I'm just trying to help everybody out here. Hmm. Like he's just trying to like whether it's him. Uh, in a in a room with Wanda and Sokovia saying, look, if you don't want to go out there, it's cool. But if you go out there, you're an Avenger. Right. Or in this car with Kazi, he's like, look, Maya's going to get hurt if she keeps doing this. You know it. I know it. Yeah. We're on different sides of this. But let's just, like, he's always just trying to reason things out in a very, like, logical way. And he's always been that guy throughout. And so it's just nice to see them continuing to play that role with him. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now then, the entire kind of final sequence uh, is great. Kate, you know, continuing to ignore him. Him being like, you are using the fact that you are a spoiled, privileged little girl to get what yeah. you want. And she was like, yes. 
And then it always that, works out for you, that which is, is really frustrating. Like, yeah. Yes, that is accurate. In that moment, I will say, not that I'm a spoiled little girl, but when when like he gave her the <laughs> oh please when <laughs> no I'm just saying wait a second when when he said to her I don't like that you use this and it always works out for you and she said yes I was like I feel like that's Shannon and John talking to me several yeah. times throughout yeah. our lives. So if I, I, can, I, if I can I, have a 30 minute recess. I'll <laughs> compile the files you're on. <laughs> um, but, and again, I do love, even in the little ways where she was like, we should be at a higher level. And he, despite himself is just teaching, he's training her how to be a hero. Yeah. He's like, it's not about getting in. You want to have a strong exit, like get in whatever. Like when things go south, you want to be able to get out easily. Like he's, he's just constantly training her whether he realizes it or not. Uh, she goes in, we see the flashing lights. So let's talk about the watch for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there's still theories out there that this this watch is Stark Tech or Fisk has bought Stark Towers because they're clearly waiting to reveal what happened to Tony Stark's building. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like Fisk needs that watch to get in and it's tied to this. But specifically what Clint and Laura, like for, Laura knows about this watch. The first thing she says is what about this Rolex? Yeah, And then the way, and John, you were just saying this, what he says about it is it belonged to a friend of mine. Like if something happened, like, like I, I do think this is maybe tied more to Laura's past. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know why the tracksuit mafia wanted that at the beginning, unless Kingpin or whoever has been trying to find this out for a long time as well. But it, it, you know, I, I think the more that we're learning, the more this seems like very personal to Laura and Clint more so than, oh, this is Tony Stark's or something else that's a bigger Marvel thing. And I think that that makes it kind of more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see because, like, in addition to seeing the watch, Kate sees that Echo knows Clint's whole family. Yeah. And as we were saying, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. has kept this a secret for a very long time. We didn't find out about it until the second Avengers movie. Like, right. nor did the Avengers. So the fact that this is a very closely guarded secret and the names of his entire family are just on a pad of paper in this apartment, like that is a giant red flag for Clint. Right. Um, the entire battle was awesome. I do not think Kate Bishop would have survived against Echo, but I get that she needs to. But I was like, oh, she <laughs> yeah, would be no. yeah. very dead. Uh, I knew I, right away. I was like, well, that's obviously Black. That's like that's literally Florence Pugh. I know who that is. My brother was very surprised when the, when the <laughs> came off, but I was like, "Yeah, it's obviously her." Um, the whole battle was amazing, particularly though when Kate did fall off the edge and Clint looked over the shot, and they just that end game score came right in there, and they played the Boromir music, yeah. and man, like they just do such a good job of taking you the viewer who's lived through all this on that emotional journey with Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Kate coming back up to save the day. She's a badass. She totally deserves to be a superhero. She's going to be a superhero. She's amazing. And then the Florence Pugh reveal and then Kate and then Kate not taking the shot. And I yeah. think that after Clint has given this whole story that the best shot I ever took was the one that I didn't take. And then Kate gets up there and in that moment yeah. doesn't take the shot on Natasha's sister thought right. was a great little detail. And then I used brought something, and I don't know, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to find out about this. Mm-hmm. Does Clint know about Elena? Like, as as close as Clint and Natasha are, yeah. Did Natasha talk about this girl that she grew up with that she hasn't seen in years? Like, does Clint even know anything about? Like, because Clint is like, that's a Black Widow assassin, right? Um, and I don't think that he would tell Kate that's Natasha's sister. So I think mm-hmm. he might still know. I don't think it's information he would have necessarily given. But I don't know that he knows who she is. Right. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out uh, between the two of them as well. Yeah. But then, like I said at the beginning, then he gives Kate Bishop the full Lassie moment. Like she, he goes, he goes the Lassie route. He's like, get out of here. You don't belong here. You're not a hero. You're not my partner. And really he, and we can tell from the way the episode is set up, he is so desperately scared that something yeah. is going to happen to her. And that he's going to be responsible for another death. And he clearly, genuinely has affection for Kate. Um, and so it, it's going to be really interesting because now all the pieces are in play. Like, mm-hmm. we know that Echo knows Clint's whole family. Uh, this watch is in play. Yelena has showed up. Kate is doing her thing. We know that Jack is a bad dude. Like, mm-hmm. 
we are now geared up for two more episodes where I think it's just going to be like, we're just riding down the, the down of the roller coaster. Like, it's right. just like, let's go. Yeah, it's crazy. Two more episodes left, Shannon, for sure. And I think Michael brings up an interesting point, because if you know the history of Kingpin in the comics, he likes to get information. Remember when he outed Matt Murdock? Remember when he went after Matt Murdock? Went after, um, oh, God, uh, Paige, Karen Page. When he went after Karen Page to mess with Matt Murdock. So, like, his if he's behind getting the watch to get information about Clint, and Mockingbird, what is the connection here? Maybe you know, Mockingbird. Calm maybe, down there, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe Mockingbird. I've seen people claim that it might be Steve Rogers' watch, which I'm like, what does that mean? So, all right. Well, Shannon, what do you think about these integral moments here throughout these uh, scenes here in the back half of the show? Well, I mean, I definitely agree with Vogel. It's fun how the LARPers are sort of subbing in for the tenants in Clint's building. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was fun. And the idea that they're the ones who are probably going to make the costumes for Kate and Clint. I'm like, oh, that's 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 a nice, you know, that's a, that's nice, nice and full circle. Though I do think at this point, because the show does tend to be a little lighter, I'm like, are we going to get a body count? It might just be sort of the tragedy of Kate losing her family. But it's mm. like, oh, if someone's going to die, I bet it's going to be like a true innocent, which would be one of the LARPers. That would be my guess. Um, the, the great interrogation scene be between Clinton Kazi, like I obviously don't know how it was written, but there, there's a thing, you know, when, when you're in a writer's room and you have, you have a funny scene and the instinct is always be like, how can we make it funnier? So if it's written that Clint has basically gotten all of, gotten all of Kazi's weapons, like he, he, he's, you know, he's, he's shooting blanks at this point. Like, okay, how can we make that funnier? And what's great, I think, the way Burton Birdie used the camera is we're going to put it in the rearview mirror and we're not even going to see Clint's mouth most of the time. And he's like, mm -hmm. I got this, I got this, I got this. Um, and you get just this flustered frustration from Kazi when he asks, can I have my gun back? And Clint <laughs> says, what do you think? And the moment, and, I, and in my head, like this happened on the day, they're like, oh, we can see Clint through the back of the window. Jeremy, wait until you're at the center of the truck, then throw it. Yeah, because that is a great just that's a great button to an already very, very funny scene. The whole yeah, fight. Real, oh, real sorry, quick, go ahead. real quick with that scene, Shannon, do you think they're coming? Because he also takes a shot at the fact that Kazi has uh, not moved up in this business mm -hmm. and it was under the dad. Now he's under the daughter. Do you think this is a little bit that's kind of laying the groundwork for clown? Uh, I think what do I think what do you, do you think that was a cut I didn't I didn't read that as a cut I read a that cut? as a like uh, oh it's a shot oh it's a what of course if someone oh, I, th says I think it's you, a, I think it you're was a staying shot. at the oh. same level you've been he actually calls him a doormat I think at yeah. one point so the I think that's <laughs> okay, that fair. could be Good laying point. the clown thing possibly down the road this anger of Kazi of seeing like god I'm tired of being stepped on you know and so anyway I thought maybe that was there, but no, I, I I agree with you. I think yeah. I think that was I think that was a very deliberate thing to do, and it's like how can how can I get him to impart this message? Like, let me embarrass him a little bit. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that'll work. Um, you get to the fight <laughs> with uh, you know, scoping out the building. Like, I loved as as Vogel pointed out the the training that he's doing is like it's not about a quick entrance; it's about a quick exit. Right. Um, and when you look at how she escaped. Had they been on a higher building, she would not have been able to have gotten away. So Clint, mm. Clint was right. Um, the moment that she starts talking to the old guy and taking his groceries, and as she's saying, you know, there's an Avenger in my ear. Ah, and I literally wrote all crazy people in NYC. <laughs> like, yeah, she's got where she's carrying the bow as well. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but it's the type of interaction. <laughs> like the the. I mean, I haven't been to New York a ton, but I've been there enough to be yeah. like. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that that would be an elevator ride that I would smile and nod and get off at the next available floor. Um, <laughs> watching the strobe lights immediately—that's that's what I thought was like. Oh, that's that's Maya's place because that's how you know when when a fire alarm goes off, if you have someone who's hearing impaired, you know they the light flash. Yeah, and I was like, that's super cool. Love the fact that the action scene started. Kate's fighting in the apartment. Clint's fighting in on on top of the building. Like that was just a blast mm -hmm. and uh, the the zip line moment so I, I will i will try to truncate this as much as possible uh years ago a very very long time ago um, oh, okay. I, I did the the bill and ted show in orlando for halloween horror nights and i played harry potter one year and my entrance was i came in on a cable above the audience's head and you know i'm i'm kind of hitched in so like you know the, the theme music goes up the crowd looks up and you see me fly above it was a blast but the way that I would actually travel was there was a, a technician on a, on a crank who, who's basically cranking oh. me over. One night, the wire broke. 
Um, not the one I'm on, but the crank wire. <laughs> the, 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 not the wire, the crank broke. Mm -hmm. So I am literally dangling <laughs> above the audience's head as the show continues, the lighting continues, and people are looking up like, Hey, what's he doing up there? <laughs> and so the vulnerability <laughs> that Kate probably felt is just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've been there. That sucks. Yeah. I like I like that I'm sitting here being like that moment where Clint sees Kate and remembers Natasha on Boromir as an emotional moment. And Shannon's over here like, I remember getting stuck up on that wire as Harry Potter, and that was really heavy for me. The Guardian Leviosa. Leviosa. Akio yeah. Geek Buddy. <laughs> As the fight starts, yes, I, I agree with Vogel that Echo probably would have eaten Kate's lunch. Oh, um, yeah. What I really liked is like getting a look at things from Yelena's point of view. That multiple times, like, you know, she was able to restrain um, Maya with the, the, the little shocker things. Mm -hmm. And she had, she had more than enough, more than one chance to get rid of Kate and Maya permanently. And she chose not to do it. I love the thing with Kate, how she basically, she did save her. Like she took her off the board, but she did save her. Like, I think she sees, sh she's come from a world where older men have taken advantage of younger women. Mm. And it's like, I'm no, I'm not going to, you know, like, I, I think this guy, I'm not going to, I'm not killing you. My, right. my objective here is him. Right. Um, great musical stings throughout the scene. Like Vogel brought up the end game, the end game sequence, right. which, oh my God, the fear on uh Haley Seinfeld's face. I mean, that's palpable. That's just like, yeah. oh my God, I almost died. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And then at the end, like I, you know, she she maims Maya. When Clint gets the mask off of Yelena, you get that great sting from the Black Widow score as yeah. well. Um, for the longest time, eh, not the longest time, but Marvel's been very inconsistent with their themes. Like, you know, Iron Man never really had a consistent theme. Caps you knew it was cap but it wasn't necessarily the same music every time i love the fact that they're really leaning in to these themes more and more and more like the moment that the mask comes off you hear the black widow music it's like oh that's yeah. that is just that resonates with audiences sometimes in a way they don't even expect like like yeah. oh oh you know it's just it's like it's it's a it's a memory yeah. um watching <laughs> watching clint tell Kate, like, you know, you're not my partner, having your idol, having your person that this person that you've looked up to your entire life, this person who has inadvertently molded your existence, having them say, get, you know, I don't want you here. Yeah. Oh, the, the, again, the heartbreak that Haley Seinfeld plays was fantastic. Like it yeah. was just really, really great sequence. Yeah. I mean, and, and just like, um, he cut, he cut that cord in essence, literally figuratively and literally cutting that cord for her to go like, get out of here. She doesn't listen. You imagine she's not going to listen now, no matter how much he protests. Cause Kate has a overdeveloped sense of wanting to be this hero and wanting to be a superhero and influenced by Clint. So she may get a little down for episode five, but I think she's eventually going to be wrapped up in here. And what's so interesting too, is we may have seen the future of the Avengers here with Kate, with Yelena, with possibly Echo being a part, maybe, and maybe Clint, as you said, Michael, last episode, maybe a, uh, a a counselor or a mentor for all of them if they don't go West Coast Avengers route. That could be really interesting as well. So kind of, and I think that's why. Oh, yeah, I think I know the it's the connective tissue of not taking the shot, but also you know it's kind of tough to be friends with someone who took a shot at you with an arrow. So you not having her do that kind of lets that be a little bit more of a relationship that could work out down the road. So what were you going to say, yeah. Mike? What was I going to say? I just was totally wrapped up in, you said that and I started thinking about <laughs> Young Avengers and I yeah. totally, oh, okay. I know what I was going to say. Okay. Is that, is that to, to Kate getting back involved? I mean, obviously Kate's going to get back involved, but also like, even if she was so hurt and stung by what Clint said that mm -hmm. she wasn't going to go back in, she's in too deep already. She yeah, knows that Jack is a bad guy. She knows that there's things going on. And so even if we get to the beginning of next week's episode and she was like, you know, F you, F you Hawkeye, you don't want me around, then I don't want to be around. You're not the hero I thought you were. Yeah. She's going to get home and she's going to find out something about Jack, something about who killed Andre, something about what her mom's involvement is, something about what's really going on. She might be the one that figures out who it is that really wants this watch. And she's going to find some piece of information that's going to pull her back into all of this. So at this point, like in for a dollar in for a pound like is that right in for a penny in, in for a, a penny in for a pound apparently mr. i'm jack mr. Duke apparently, in yeah. for... 
<laughs> oh, Mike, and your aphorisms. All right. Anyway, well, there you go. Uh, any final words on the? Yeah, look, all I'll say is, is I loved this. I loved that we got a little bit more here with Kate and uh, with Clint and seeing the relationship develop a little more. Loved Yelena showing up. Now we're going to see how that plays out because eventually Yelena, Yelena will find out that it wasn't Clint, that it was something else that went on. And so does she turn on the Countess at that point? What is the situation with her? Because obviously that's not the end of her. Uh, so we're going to see her uh, maybe in five or six, whichever episode she shows up in as a kind of culmination. So I'm excited to see that. And Maya's place in all of this. I mean, Maya doesn't stay to fight after she gets shot with that arrow. She kind of pulls it out and then walks uh, walks away. So what is her stakes in all of this? And why does she have Clint's um, family names there? What is that all about? So there's more to play out here that I'm, I'm looking forward to over the next two episodes. But great way that they've set the table to get us into the next two episodes for sure. Any final words, gentlemen? I mean, yeah. If you look at these six episodes, it's sort six episodes is sort of a three act movie structure. Yeah. Um, at the end of Act Two, this is the end of Act Two. Like you have your characters yeah. at their lowest at their lowest points. Um, things have gotten incredibly serious for Clint. He's told Kate he doesn't want her around. Um, here's hoping the third act of this story is just going to deliver all the goods. Yeah. Uh, Mike. Yeah. I mean, it's just like what I said at the beginning. I mean, this is so thoroughly enjoyable on so many levels and i feel like um this is like what i want from the mcu mm. you know i mean i think and i think that the particularly in the handoff yeah that i'm i'm getting i'm getting to see clint barton uh in a deeper way than i've gotten to see him in the movies mm-hmm. uh so you know we're getting to, we're getting to really delve into a character that we've been with for 10 years mm-hmm. and at the same time we are meeting a character and seeing another character in Yelena that we're hopefully going to get invested in for the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that we're going to be able to like, and you know, you, you picture like Kate Bishop uh, five years from now talking to Billy and Teddy and Tommy and Patriot and saying, listen, when Clint Barton and I went on our first mission and we're going to be like, yeah, we were there. Like, it's just like, this is, this is what the promise of the MCU is. And I think this is why everyone's responding so well to this show. Yeah. I, I got a feeling if, if, if Jack is a Patsy, I have a feeling he is going to sacrifice himself for Kate against Eleanor, which is really going to mess with Kate's head. I think a little bit because she's been so against him. So obviously against him, it seems like a storyline trick to make it be he him who kind of stands in the way of kate getting injured or hurt in some way and sacrifices his life i don't know i mean whether or not jack is a mastermind i don't think he is a like he's he's running the tracksuit mafia clearly a bad dude and an expert swordsman like i don't think he's just gonna be the oh i'm so sorry i messed up my things like let me wax my mustache like i think there's he's a bad dude I'll take one for Duquesne Island. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, right. I'm I'm with you, Johnny. I think he's I think he's a bad guy, but I also think he's not. He's a patsy. He's, I, yeah, I think he, he doesn't know how he's deep not he's the mastermind. in. I, I think Eleanor's pretty much insulated him from how. I mean, deep I do think in. that Eleanor is absolutely higher up than him, and is mm-hmm. absolutely the more bad guy for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it would be a surprise to Jack that he's the CEO of Sloan Limited. <laughs> like, wait, <what? laughs> That'll be actually. Yeah. That might be really that. That's a good reveal. That's yeah. a, that. I'm, I'm kind of, now. I'm on now. I'm aware of that. That like well, his I, name is on the paperwork, and he's gonna be like, "What are you talking about? I don't do this at all." And then he yeah. it's on the paperwork because Eleanor did that. That is a good guess. I think that's a solid. That's a there's, solid one. There's room on the boat, Mike. There's room. On the boat. <laughs> oh no, I'm not going to that island. Come on now. Come on. No, no, no. I might wave once in a while when you get like you guys plant a tree that is actually not completely batshit crazy away from my boat, but I'm not coming to that island. We cut all the trees to flare out. We cut all the trees to flare out. <laughs> I want to see a poll between Kenneth Branagh's uh, Poirot mustache in, in that movie and, and Jack Duquesne's mustache. That's the competition right now. So, all right. Anyway, there you go. There's our spoiler review for episode four. Partners, am I right? Uh, from Hawkeye. Excited to see what we're going to get in these last two episodes. We hope you enjoyed our spoiler review episode of that show. Let us know if we missed anything down in the comment section below as well. But yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Shannon. What do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? 
Uh, look, like I was saying, it's been a great ride with the MCU for the past 10 years. Hopefully, we're going to be going for the next 10 years. And similarly, we would like to do the same thing. So here's how you can help the Geek Buddies extend their cinematic universe. Uh, <laughs> you can hit the like button below. Uh, just take a second right now and do it right while you're thinking about it. Uh, go over to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Subscribe there. Uh, check out all the awesome content he has. Like John said, leave us a comment below. Let us know what you thought of the episode. What did you think? Uh, are we on the money? Are we not on the money? Um, should I be taking the boat into Hayward Island for the for the for the Jack Trees? Uh, we will see. Uh, you know, and if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up into the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell everybody that if they are enjoying Hawkeye, they will also enjoy the Hawkeye spoiler reviews. Yo, good stuff. Yeah, and I can't reiterate what Michael just said enough. Please subscribe to the channel down below, ladies and gentlemen. I want to get to 20,000 by the end of December of 2020. I want to start 20 or 21, rather. I want to start 2022 with 20,000 subscribers. So it'd be great to have you all. If you watch our reviews, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button so we can get to that number as quickly as possible. All right. Thanks to all of you. Thanks for watching. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or spoiler review episode here uh, from the. Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.